Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This evening, I am Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I want to remind you of what the Democrats and Joe Biden are doing to this economy, what they're doing to our fellow citizens, how they're surrendering our energy security, our national security to China and other enemies. I remember several years back when the uh, dictators over in Venezuela would walk down the street with their media surrounding them and point to buildings and say we're going to be taking that building we're going to take this business we're going to shut this one down just walking down the street pointing Hugo Chavez I said, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that reminded me of what Joe Biden said today in San Diego. Far from the coal plants of the eastern part of the country and the Atlantic part of the country. In other words, far from the men and women who mine coal in the businesses that are in charge of the coal production. Cut 14, go. I was in Massachusetts about a month ago on the site of the largest old coal plant in America. Guess what? It costs them too much money. They can't count. No one's building new coal plants because they can't rely on it, even if they have all the coal guaranteed for the rest of the existence of the plant. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. 
we're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. Now, who the hell does he think he is? They keep talking about autocracy versus democracy. These people are totalitarian in their mindset. It's that simple. He's walking around and we're going to shut down coal plants. Europe is opening coal plants. Germany is opening coal plants. China is opening coal plants. Because of the unreliability of other forms of energy. We're shutting down coal plants. We're shutting down fossil fuel development. And then this jerk wonders why these companies aren't producing more energy. I mean, it's shocking what he's doing. And the people in Pennsylvania, where there are coal mines, the people in Ohio, where there are coal mines, the people in Kentucky, all throughout so many states on the eastern part, the southeastern part, the Atlantic part of our country need to hear this. All of you folks in New England and in the Northeast, we're going to see shortages of fuel, shortages of heating fuel, shortages of diesel fuel throughout the country. This is all a plan. This is also all a system of degrowth that's being put in place. They think they're going to force you to use electricity. There's not enough electricity. They think they're going to force you to buy electric cars. Can't afford electric cars. The degrowth movement is this movement. We're going to shut down coal plants. You think inflation is high now? Just wait. You think fuel prices are high now? Just wait. These people aren't going to fix anything. They're not... They're not done breaking everything. They talk about inflation, 8.3%. Inflation on food and gasoline and home building products, well above 8.3%. These are the essentials. And almost nobody talks about this. The shortages that are coming, and coming big. And the Democrats hope that they don't come right away, but they're going to come. You can't destroy an economy and not have consequences. I want you to listen to this one more time. Here's Biden in San Diego today. Cut 14, go. I was in Massachusetts about a month ago on the site of the largest old coal plant in America. Guess what? It costs them too much money. They can't count. No one's building new coal plants because they can't rely on it. No, nobody's building new coal plants because the government doesn't allow them to. Nobody's drilling for oil now because the government doesn't allow them to. Go ahead. Guaranteed for the rest of the the existence of the plant. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is they're going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. 
I'm telling you, folks, the main producer of electricity is coal. Just so you know, it's coal. And he talks about they're going to be putting out wind energy. Really? And when the wind isn't blowing, they're going to be pushing out wind energy still? We had an example of this in Texas. Where the governments in Texas went full throttle Germany on wind and solar. And during a horrific blizzard one or two winters ago they didn't have enough energy. It was a disaster. And California doesn't have enough electricity. They have brownouts and blackouts telling people please don't drive your electric vehicle. They don't even have that many. And now, in a month or so, New England, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you're going to feel the consequences of diesel fuel shortages. And you're going to feel the consequences of home heating oil shortages. And the price. And I keep talking about this. I've been talking about this for years. These are disasters. Democrat Party made disasters. When we come back, we're going to have Jim Jordan on the program. Why? Is he have a tough election? No, he doesn't. But the Federal Bureau of Investigation, our Stasi, under this Department of Injustice, Meritless Garland, is a frightening, out of control police state operation. They're plotting in secret against Donald Trump. They're plotting against parents after the election. They're plotting against pro-lifers. They're not charging people who are, who are attacking pro-life facilities. They're not charging people who are threatening Supreme Court justices in violation of federal law. They're scooping up other people with whom this administration disagrees. They're interfering in our politics. They have some secret plan for election day and after election day where the Department of Justice won't allow news organizations and other groups to have access to these plans that were ordered by, by Biden. That's why it's so damn crucial that the Republicans wing and win hugely. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad 
that as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Good to have Jim Jordan with us. Uh, Jim, you folks have put out a thousand-page report about the corruption at the FBI, including uh, what's gone on uh, with our parents in our school systems, what's gone on with uh, the lack of enforcement when it comes to attacking pro-life facilities and so forth. Uh, So what happens now? You've laid the foundation. If the Republicans take the House, you'll be chairman of the Judiciary Committee, I'm supposing you're going to subpoena uh, the FBI director and others to testify. And if they give you the cold shoulder and the rope-a-dope and all the rest, are you guys going to subpoena information the way the Democrats have gotten to the, the kind of information that they have wanted? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, Mark, it's so bad. That is, we have to be aggressive. We have to, I mean, an aggressive approach is what's warranted when you look at, you know, the, the, the FBI is broken. The Washington field office is broken. One of the whistleblowers came and told us that, that he said, it's, it, it, this is his quote, rotted to the core. Is, and this is from an agent who's, you know, given, given his time, his career to the FBI, but is willing to come forward as a, as a whistleblower and say, it's that bad. And then we also learned, in addition to all you just talked about there with the school boards, what they did clear back with, with uh, spying on President Trump's campaign, what they did with Christopher Steele and the dossier, and on and on and on, it goes. We also learned that there's this, this big tech, big government working together. Facebook was giving information, user information, to the FBI, according to one whistleblower. So, yeah, we have to be aggressive because we have never seen anything like this in American history where you have an agency, an agency that, with the power of the Justice Department targeting their political opposition. Um, it's, it's really that serious. And so we're committed to doing whatever it takes to get to the truth and to begin to hold people accountable. What happens if you have Democrats who are obstructing or interrupting? I mean, what the Democrats did there was they created this January 6th committee, so they're basically getting whatever information they want. Uh, They're presenting information to the public. There's no opposition party, no opposition lawyers, no opposition staff. If the Democrats are going to try and sabotage your efforts, will you treat them like they treat you? Well, we're just going to get to it. We're not going to let them stop us, no matter what. This, this is too important. Remember, in the last two months, we have seen this FBI raid the home of a former president, take the phone of a sitting member of Congress, kick in the door of a pro-life leader outside of Philadelphia, arrest him in front of his wife and seven kids for something the local judge says wasn't a problem, and at the same time, not go after all these people who've attacked churches. Over 100 churches and crisis pregnancy centers have been attacked, and we don't hear anything. They could have used the same darn statute that they used to go after this guy and kick in his door, the pro-life guy. They could have used the same statute to do that to the folks who've desecrated, in some cases, firebombed uh, crisis pregnancy centers, but we don't hear anything about that. So we're going to... we're gonna. We're gonna we're going to not stop until we get the facts and the truth. I think we've just scratched the surface. This report is huge, and we went through all of it, laid it all out, and so that we have it in one place for the country to begin to see, oh, wow, 
this is serious what's going on. This is a compilation of what we know thus far, and we're in the minority, for goodness sake. So as you rightly point out, we can't call in witnesses. We can't get documents from the administration and, and frankly, really cross-examine the kind of people who need to be cross-examined. We can't do any of that. But we still found this and put together this huge report. So that's how serious this is and why we're, we're, we're committed uh, as Republicans on the Judiciary Committee to doing whatever it takes to get the facts to the country. I want you to do me a favor, Jim Jordan. I think you're terrific, one of the great members of the House. I want you to look at the ability of the House of Representatives to appoint a special counsel. Do you guys know you have that power? Yeah. Not, not to yeah, prosecute, about, we... but you have the power to appoint a special counsel. It could be a top prosecutor with a staff who spends his every waking moment with the staff's every waking moment, obviously an appendage to... Uh, what would be your committee to gather all the information that's necessary? Because I am of the belief that this war on Donald Trump is so unconscionable uh, that there's got to be documents and emails, testimony taken under penalty of perjury that needs to take place, that the House of Representatives under you guys have got to reassert your power under separation of powers rather than all this power that belongs to unelected bureaucrats at the FBI. Yeah, no, we're, we're trying to figure out what is the best strategy for being the most effective, getting the facts, the truth, the information that we, the people, the American people, are entitled to see, um, so that we can, we can present this in clear and as convincing manner as, as, as possible. That's what we're trying to figure out, and there, there's, there's talk of, of, of forming a, a select committee, there's talk of special counsel, there's talk of uh, a special subcommittee. So we're, we're trying to figure that out. One, one thing we, we are committed to do, though, is getting, getting to the truth, getting to the facts, and laying out all the – we've done a ton of work in the minority, and that's what this report reflects. Um, and we're, uh, we're, we're as, as, as you know, if, if we're in the majority, we can do a lot more. And also, this, uh, the, the Democrats and the two Republicans on the January 6th committee, they have subpoenaed records from members of Congress. They have subpoenaed records yeah. from the former president. They have subpoenaed records from lawyers and so forth. So you're going to have substantial precedent uh, that's been rubber stamped by uh, district courts in Washington, D.C. to use. And I have found in my experience in the Reagan administration as chief of staff to attorney general, if you don't yeah. use their tactics against them, they will continue to the, use these kinds of tactics against us. You agree with that? Right. No, I do, and that's why I, I, I'm like, we're, we're, we got to be aggressive. We, we should leave no stone, uh, stone unturned to get to the truth. And I'll tell you what else they did. They lied about me. Hold on, don't I hang. Don't, don't, don't leave. We're taking a hard break. I also want to ask you about this election when we come back. Hold your thought, Jim Jordan. We appreciate you. We'll be right back. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad 
that as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Welcome back, America. We're here with Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, I had to interrupt with a hard break. You were talking about the January 6th. Go ahead. Well, I just, we've come in multiple lives, and we don't get to be in the depositions. We don't get to see the evidence. But I know one in particular where, where they played on screen a video of me on, on uh, doing an interview, and I said, uh, January 6th is the ultimate date of significance in a presidential context. And that's all they showed, uh, you know, insinuating one thing. And, and what they forgot to say was, uh, what they forgot to show is what I said. Just part of that, they cut off the, the statement. Mm-hmm. I said, the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, January 6th is the ultimate date of significance in a presidential contest, because that's when you affirm and, and, and confirm what the electors did and, and have the vote. So they take everything out of context that they lie, and we mm-hmm. haven't even been able to be a part of it. That's how bad they are. Now, I want to ask you uh, to take a listen to what Joe Biden said in San Diego today. Cut 14, go. I was in Massachusetts about a month ago on the site of the largest old coal plant in America. Guess what? It costs them too much money. They can't count. No one's building new coal plants because they can't rely on it, even if they have all the coal guaranteed for the rest of the existence of the plant. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. What does he think he is? Hugo Chavez in Venezuela days way back when, walking down the street, pointing at businesses he's going to shut down? Where the hell does he get the power to shut down businesses? No, he doesn't, and, and, and just as bad, it's going to drive up the cost of energy. Well, frankly, we won't have enough energy. That's, that's our biggest concern. So, yeah, th- this guy, every time he talks, he says something ridiculous. That speech he gave the other night, I mean, it was just so bad. Every, here's what this election's coming down to, Mark. I, literally, I had, a, I had a constituent say this to me last week, and I thought he summarized it so well. He said, I looked at my bank statement. He said, then I had to take a look at my 401k, and then I had to go to the grocery store to pick up some things. And on the way back home, I stopped by the gas station to fill up my truck. He goes, I'm voting Republican. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what this comes And oh, by the way, when he's filling up his truck at the gas station, he's looking over his shoulder to make sure he doesn't get mugged. That, that is what the Democrats and Joe Biden have given this country. And this country is such a great place. You know, the greatest nation ever. The people of this great country don't deserve that. They have not done one thing right. When you look at energy, you look at the border, you look at, the, you look at the inflation, the crime, not one thing right. Not to mention what we started off talking about, what they're doing to our liberties, how they've weaponized the Justice Department, how it's no longer equal treatment under the law. That, that is frightening, and I think when people walk into that voting booth, if they haven't voted by mail already, when they walk into that voting booth, they are going to say, in here, no one can see, I, I, that no one's gonna, I'm, I'm going to stick it to the man, and I'm going to vote Republican. You can feel that building, and I think it's going to be a good night for us uh, next Tuesday. But people in Ohio, people in Pennsylvania, people all over the country, 
uh, the consequences of these decisions on energy, which are rash, which are ideological, which are nonsensical. And then you talk about places like Ohio and Pennsylvania, where we have these close Senate races. And this guy's saying, I'm going to shut down these plants. They're going to shut down fossil fuels. They're going to shut down fracking. They're going to shut down coal. They have nothing to replace it with. Shortages, prices going through the roof. You think that message is getting out? I mean, the guy just said this today. Yeah, it's getting out. J.D. Vance is going to win Ohio. Dr. Oz is going to win Pennsylvania. And frankly, Mark, I think Republicans are going to win every other swing state. I think Herschel wins in Georgia. I know Ted Budd, a colleague of ours who's running in North Carolina, he's going to win. They don't win unless we vote. A great senator. Yeah, well, that's right. We all got to get on vote. Look, we can't take anything for granted. But I think it's building. I think people are eager to go vote for conservatives and Republicans. Senator Johnson's going to win. Blake's going to win. And Blake Masters in Arizona. I think Laxalt's going to win in Nevada. And look, it looks like we're in the in the game in, in New Hampshire and Washington State. So I think it's that type of year where people have so had it with these people. They're so arrogant. They act like they're so much smarter and better than us folks in flyover country. Here's the other problem. Those folks in D.C., they never go to work. They sit behind a computer at their home, working remote, drinking their $15 cup of coffee in Ohio and Pennsylvania. You got to manufacturing, agriculture, trucking. You got to go to work, and people are fed up with uh, Joe Biden talking all the crazy things he's saying when they're off busting their tail, working hard for their family. Um, I think it's coming, and uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be a good day for us. But you're exactly right. Everyone needs to get out and vote, and vote for the conservatives, vote for the Republicans. All right. Jim Jordan, we appreciate everything you've done and hopefully everything you're going to be able to do. And we uh, we wish you all the best. By the way, you're not having a tough race, I don't think, do you? I think we'll, we'll be fine, but, you know, we don't, we don't take anything for granted. And, and, you know, we run a campaign, but I think we're going to be fine. All right. Good luck, brother. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for all you do, brother. See you. All right. You too. God bless. So they put that report out, and I just wanted to gather a little bit more information. You know, I watch these ads because they run in the part of Virginia where I am right now, from this, what's her name? Rich Stamberger, or whatever her name is, the phony moderate. Abigail Spamberger, or whatever it is. Abigail Hamburger. And she tries to come off as this moderate. She is running the most vicious, hateful lies dressed up as campaign commercials that I've ever seen ever seen now we had the Republican opponent on this program we had Yesley on the program and she said no I I didn't say I oppose this or support that and they keep running the ads as if they're true so I just want to point that out don't believe these Democrat ads they are liars and they will spend a fortune to redefine who they are and redefine who their opponents are particularly in these close races, it's very, very important that you put all the static out of your head. All of it. These close Senate races, these close House races. And we don't have enough space, but I want to remind people in Northern Virginia, you have Hung Cal running. Hung Cal is a fantastic candidate. Again, this, against this uh, Jennifer Wexton, who is a radical left-wing kook. Hung Cal, Special Forces, a commander in Special Forces. Guy that's got more educational degrees than I can count. 
came over here as a refugee from Vietnam, he and his family, legally. Immediately wanted to serve his country. Now the Democrats, they always like to talk about minorities, and look at the faces of the Republicans, they're always white. This time around, there's a lot of faces of conservative Republicans that are not white. And they still attack them. They lie about them. So please vote for Hung Kao in the uh, northern Virginia area, as well as all the other Republicans, as a matter of fact. Now, what do you think would happen? You know what? I want to move on. I was gonna, I've got so much to get on, and I can't get to all of it. We have three candidates coming up. I told you the media gave 11 times the... Well, I didn't tell you this. The media gave 11 times the coverage to the attack on Paul Pelosi than it gave to the attempted assassination of Brent Kavanaugh. Are you aware of this? According to Newsbusters, I don't know what we would do without Newsbusters at the Media Research Center. Listen again. The media gave 11 times the coverage to the attack on Paul Pelosi than it gave to the attempted assassination of Kavanaugh. And the attempted assassination of Kavanaugh occurred immediately after Joe Biden unleashed a poisonous, vicious attack on the Supreme Court. And he's not held to account for that. The networks ignored the bullet shot through the window last night of a Republican candidate's family house. Ignored it, writes Newsbusters Kevin Tober. The leftist media spent most of the past week wringing their hands over an allegedly political attack against House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband's husband, Paul. But they've been silent on a shooting that took place, a shooting that took place at the home of Republican North Carolina congressional candidate Pat Harrigan's parents. The shooter fired a gun through the window of the home where his children were sleeping, a three and a five year old, 20 feet from them. ABC World News Tonight, CBS Evening News, and NBC Nightly News all ignored the incident. By the way, so is Mediaite and Media Matters. All ignored the incident on their Thursday evening newscasts, instead reporting on the latest violent attack against Republicans. The three networks decided local weather reports and a cotton shortage allegedly caused by climate change were all more important stories than a Republican candidate's family's home getting shot at. According to the Carolina Journal, on October 18th, the shooting took place at the home of the parents of Republican congressional candidate Pat Harrigan. Harrigan is running against Democrat State Senator Jeff Jackson in the 14th Congressional District. Uh, The paper had spoken with Harrigan's campaign manager, Brandon Kraft, who informed the outlet that someone shot the home, the incident's currently being investigated, and according to Kraft, Harrigan's children were home when the shooting took place, were only a few feet away from where the bullet entered the home. According to the campaign between Harrigan and Jackson, it's been heated, including Harrigan recently charging Jackson, challenging him to a debate in an open letter, and Jackson questioning Harrington's residency. Harrigan is his name, Harrigan, H-A-R-R-I-G-A-N, and Harrigan was a uh, Green Beret serving our country. He's the Republican. He's the patriot.
If Harrigan was a Democrat, the networks would have reported on this and used it as another example of Republican rhetoric killing democracy. Was this on MSNBC? Was this on CNN? It wasn't on CBS or ABC or NBC. We already know the leftist media seeks to downplay violent acts against conservatives while hyping violence against leftists. And we already talked about how the networks gave 11 times more coverage to Paul Pelosi than the assassination attempt on Justice Brent Kavanaugh and the Democrat who wanted to assassinate Kavanaugh. He flew all the way from California to the Washington, D.C. area. Right after Joe Biden was trashing the court and trashing the conservative justices. Trashing them. What do you think of that? It's really pathetic. Here's how the Daily Mail mentions it. Midterm horrors as Republican candidates' daughters, three and five, are almost killed after gunman opens fire at North Carolina home where Democrat rival filmed the campaign ad. The guy filmed the campaign ad in front of his, this guy's house with bullet landing close to where they slept. The shooting transpired in October in Hickory at a home belonging to the Republican Pat Harrigan's parents as he fights for an open seat in a famously liberal 4th Congressional District in a contentious race. His daughters, three and five, were asleep in the bedroom directly above the room where the shooting occurred, and the bullet came from a densely wooded area behind the house. Harrigan, a firearms manufacturer and former Green Beret, has since come forward to assert he would not be intimidated by the shooting and that death threats aren't enough to knock the Green Beret off that mission. But because of these threats, the family said, which has spurred the ex-soldier to don bulletproof vests to campaign events, his two little girls have been living with their grandparents for much of the campaign cycle. They've since relocated out of state. While Harrigan, who was not at the residence, has revealed he owns a property near the home where the shooting occurred. His opponent, Democrat Jeff Jackson, has been forced to pull an ad filmed outside his opponent's lakeside home, criticizing his ownership of a ritzy home in a neighborhood outside the confines of the district. The ad shows a man on a jet ski as a narrator tells listeners Harrigan made a fortune off tragedies such as the Sandy Hook shooting and bought a lake hook. So here's a guy who manufactures weapons who's now being accused of being involved in the, in the sickeningly horrendous shooting of those kids at Sandy Hook. And a commercial shot in front of his home and subsequent to this, somebody fires into the house where his two babies are sleeping. The commercial then shows an image of Harrigan's home, which is not far from where his parents live. The spot was released on the day of the shooting and spurned an angry open letter from Harrigan, Harrigan to Jackson a week later. So you have a choice in the 4th Congressional District in North Carolina. These Democrats are sick. They are unhinged. They talk about violence, but they don't give a damn. That young kid who was hit by a car by that jerk, I think it was in North Dakota, might have been South Dakota, because he said he was an extremist Republican. You didn't see nationwide coverage of that either, did you? General Bolduc confronted physically 
where the cops have to remove the Democrat who's confronting him at a campaign event in New Hampshire. You haven't seen nationwide coverage of that either, have you? The attack on Lee Zeldin on stage, downplayed by the liberal hacks at The View and elsewhere. You didn't see much coverage of that, did you? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, I'm going to have to get my old friend Hugh Hewitt on this show, Mr. Producer. He just said FBI Director Ray has been doing a good job. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what he's talking about, but I need to, after the election, I think I'll bring him on. He's fairly close to Mitch McConnell and Chris Christie and those guys. I need to better understand. I know he's used to doing interviews. I would, I would like to interview my friend Hugh Hewitt and find out uh, what's bouncing around between his ears there. And uh, hopefully, in a friendly way. I said he's an old friend of mine. He goes, we both go back before we were on radio. But I need to understand it because uh, that's just crazy. James Clyburn is the number three Democrat in the House. And this SOB said very recently that Republicans and Republicans getting elected, it feels to him very much like the 1930s. That is, the Third Reich and Hitler. This SOB doesn't know a damn thing about the Third Reich and Hitler. I don't know if he's ever visited a concentration camp, if he's ever looked at those human ovens. I don't know, has he ever looked at the shower facilities where they use cyanide and other gases to kill Jews? The Republicans and Republican elections look like the rise of the Third Reich. Who is this ass? Who is this jerk? These Democrats think they can say whatever the hell they want? What a bunch of sickening bastards. Sickening. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. We have a number of guests. At uh, 7.30, Kevin Kiley in a very close race in a district in California, California 3. At 8.05, Lee Zeldin, as you know, running for governor of New York. And at 8.20, Tim Michaels running for governor of Wisconsin. We've not had him on the program before. We have a tremendous life, liberty, and Levin. 8 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central. You know the times. It's going to be one of the last big shows before Tuesday. And uh, I hope you'll watch us. If you can't watch us, I hope you will DVR, get your recording set. I'm going to actually have, I think, a very important opening and closing statement. But we're going to have four very, very important guests, all of whom are running in big races. I mentioned this guy, James Clyburn. And this, this guy needs to be confronted. He thinks he's Mr. Tough Guy. Thinks he's responsible for Joe Biden. He thinks because of his senior citizen in the, in the Black Caucus and the House of Representatives, he can say whatever he wants. Nobody's going to speak back. He's got the backing of the media. He's got the backing of the reprobates at these sites like Media Matters and Mediaite. But I've about had it with this guy and all the other POSs who keep bringing up Nazi Germany. They want to bring up Nazi Germany? Okay. What did Franklin Roosevelt do to destroy the railroads going into these concentration camps? Nothing. What did Franklin Roosevelt do about Jewish refugees? He kept them mostly out of the country. We're trying to escape gas chambers. What did Franklin Roosevelt tell the media about the Holocaust? He told them to cover it up, tamp it down. And what about the Roosevelt administration, loaded with anti-Semites? A couple of prominent Jews, but loaded with anti-Semites, particularly at the State Department and including in the White House. You want to talk about it? James Clyburn with Fox News Digital. This guy's brought on Fox, he's brought on other conservative platforms. More and more. He sounds to me like Kanye West, Mr. Producer. Excuse me. Ye West. Where's the Anti-Defamation League? Where are all these groups? All these Democrat groups. Where are they? Now listen to this jerk. Cut five. Go. Is what happens in a country that follows what happened in Germany uh, in the early 30s. And I'm, I, I said this in 2018 and caught a lot of hell from a lot of people for having said it. But I, it was true then and it's true now. This con- country is on track to repeat what happened in Germany when it was the greatest democracy going, elected a chancellor who then co opted the media that this past president 
calling the press the enemy of the people. That is a bunch of crap, and we know it. And that's what's going on in this country. The press are the enemy of the people because they are up the backsides of every Democrat in this country. And the press have been called the enemy of the people since the beginning of this republic, you schmuck. You don't even know history. You don't know American history. You sure as hell don't know German history. And yet you refer to it. You, you jerk. You don't even believe in separation of powers. You push one party rule. You go after the Supreme Court. You want to pack the Supreme Court. You want open borders. What is... Clyburn said about the rise of anti-Semitism in his party. What has he said about Talib and Omar and the rest of them? He hadn't said a damn thing. What has he said about the Orthodox Jews who are under attack in Brooklyn, New York? Not a damn thing. What has he said about the anti-Semitic signs and activities going on? In the state of Florida, not a damn thing. What did he say about Black Lives Matter? An anti-Semitic, anti-American Marxist organization. He supported them. We don't need lectures from bigots. Dressed up as Democrats, Clyburn, like you. You jerk. No respect for you whatsoever. Unbelievable. And of course, the media won't touch him. They'll keep promoting him. They'll keep promoting him. The same enemy of the people media that covered up the Holocaust, starting with the New York Times. Thomas Friedman's been working for the New York Times for decades. They've been handing him Pulitzer Prizes like enemas. He wrote a vicious attack on Israel, the people of Israel, who just had a democratic election, who voted in the conservative parties, including religious parties, and being the secularist that he is. He attacked the state of Israel. This is the same a-hole who promoted and celebrated communist China a few years back, He understood it's a totalitarian regime, but they get things done, is what he said. I quoted him in Liberty and Tyranny. Because this is how the left think. They're sick, in my humble opinion. Oprah Winfrey, she endorsed Fetterman today. Does Oprah Winfrey live in North Philadelphia, where I went to school? No. Why not? Why not? Does Oprah Winfrey live in West Philadelphia? No. Why not? Does Oprah Winfrey live in a row home? Famous in Philadelphia? No. Why not? Where does she live? Mansions everywhere. Hawaii, Beverly Hills, security... She has absolutely no connection to the people of Philadelphia or the state of Pennsylvania. None whatsoever. But I have to conclude that she endorsed Fetterman because she must agree with his policies. And those policies are 
open borders so fentanyl could come across the border and kill our young people. The policies are shut down fossil fuel so people in this country can't afford to stay warm this winter if they're lucky enough to even get the fuel. Policies are letting out murders out of the prisons in Pennsylvania, which John Fetterman was infamous for. So I suppose she must support that too. I guess partial birth abortion and infanticide, since that's what Fetterman supports, I guess she supports that too. She puts out a video, throws her considerable weight behind Fetterman, stabs her former colleague, Dr. Oz, in the back, because Oprah, if she's anything, she's a self-righteous Democrat, a billionaire who has suffered so horrendously under this country, so horrendously. Cut seven, go. I said it was up to the citizens of Pennsylvania, and of course, but I will tell you all this, if I lived in Pennsylvania, I would already cast my vote for John Fetterman for many reasons. Yeah, what are they? But you don't live in Pennsylvania. You don't live in Philly. You don't live in North Philly or West Philly. You live 2,000 miles away. That's on a good day. Other days, you live four or 5,000 miles away in your state in Hawaii. I think it's Hawaii. Many estates. And I don't begrudge you that. Many reasons she opposes Oz. You know, frankly, Oz is a fairly moderate Republican, as best as I can tell. Right of center. Right of center. But he hasn't said anything or done anything that's controversial. I mean, to the media, yes, but they don't matter. They're irrelevant. So Oprah felt at the 11th hour she should interfere. So you folks in Pennsylvania, you remember that Oprah did this. Oprah, who has absolutely no roots in the state of Pennsylvania. You know, it's hilarious. They used to attack Fetterman for this. Fetterman was raised in Philadelphia. He went to school in Philadelphia. Spent a lot of his life in Philadelphia. But he lived a period of time in New Jersey, I suppose. And so they attacked him as a carpetbagger. So here's Oprah Winfrey, who hasn't spent more than 30 seconds in the state of Pennsylvania endorsing Fetterman. And they've been working on this for months. I ask you people in Pennsylvania, are you stupid enough to vote the way Oprah tells you to vote? Of course not. She views you, she views you as dumb, as moronic. She says vote Fetterman and all of a sudden you're going to genuflect and vote Fetterman. She's exposed herself. She's humiliated herself. She's beclowned herself. And she does it a lot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With the upcoming midterms, keep something in mind. You don't just vote at the ballot box. You vote with your every dollar you spend and the companies you spend them with. Verizon Wireless customers, you're supporting a company that dropped One American News. AT&T customers, your company owns far-left CNN. 
And T-Mobile, your CEO reportedly advised Democrats on how to beat Trump. Don't give your money to woke wireless companies. Instead, choose Pure Talk, a company that believes in family values. And they also believe in giving you great service at a low cost, like unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Average family saves almost $1,000 a year. I'm a Pure Talk customer, folks. Here's what I like. Same network, same coverage, same phone, lower bill, and 30 days risk-free. Switching can take just 10 minutes. It's a no-brainer. Show corporate America you're done funding their leftist policies. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and make the switch to my company, Pure Talk. So much here. What shall I do? I'm not sure. Here we have uh, Governor Kathy Hochul about repealing the ba- repealing the bail law. As we make our way across the country with one imbecile after another, cut ten. Go. One thing that Lee Zeldin has said he would definitely do if he becomes governor is that he would, through an executive order, repeal immediately the bail reform law that was passed. You don't love that law the way it stands. You've wanted changes to it. Would you do the same as he is saying? That's Poppy Harlow speaking for... (laughs) Go ahead. Repeal it through executive order? Again, that that is such a simplistic approach. It it negates the fact that it's about how we support law enforcement. He voted against, he wouldn't support funding for the police. I tripled the amount of money for law enforcement. All right, let's wait a minute. That's so simplistic, repealing the, the reform, the bail reform bill that lets criminals in the front door and out the back door. It's so simplistic. Yeah, so why don't you do it, moron? Now, the Democrats, as you know, whenever they open their mouth, two things happen. They lie and lots of carbon dioxide from their methane comes out of the wrong end. Not a single Republican voted to cut funding to the cops. They passed the Democrats a massive spending bill. You'll remember hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. Just their latest bill that led to further inflation. They were warned and they did it anyway. And then they said to you, because they think you're stupid, the more we spend and the more deficits we create and the more we borrow that it actually fights inflation. So they get an F on basic economics. In that bill, there were funds that were available to states that they could use as they wish. There weren't funds for funding the police per se. You understand? There were funds available. And so now that's how they say that the Republicans voted against funding the police. The issue for funding the police was never the lack of funds at the local and state level. They slashed the budgets of the cops, took it out of their own budgets as they existed. It wasn't, oh, we don't have enough money, federal government, please give us money to fund the cops. They had money to fund the cops. They took the money out of their budgets and gave it to reprobates and people on the dole. That's what they did. 
And now they come back with this line. This is how you know that and people like her are not going to do a damn thing about crime in the streets. They're not going to lift a finger any more than they're going to lift a finger to work on inflation, any more than they're going to stop what they've done to our energy industry. Biden announces today he's going to shut down all of our coal plants. Now, some people may think national suicide is a good idea. Just don't drag the rest of the country with them. Go ahead. Violence disruptor programs. He, to say that you're just going to change one part of the Violence system. Violence disruptor programs? I, I, who talks like this? Catch the crook, throw him in jail. What, what do you mean, violence disruptor programs? And they can talk all they want. The evidence is in reality. What have they done to reduce violence? Nothing. The cops know it. The victims know it. The perpetrators know it. And we know it. We all know it. Just awful. The fact that she is Hillary Clinton cackling out there with her and campaigning with her and Kamala Harris, who's done a hell of a great job on the border, should tell you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. It's just pathetic. So, folks, don't be distracted. I'm having to waste time, but I have to do it to counter these people. Some people are still on the fence. I know it's shocking. They shouldn't be on the fence. They have all kinds of ideas, these Democrats, and all their ideas will destroy us. Windfall tax on oil companies. Windfall tax on oil companies? Oh, yes, yes. So we increase taxes on oil companies. And what do they do? Just eat it? No, they add it to the price of a gallon of gasoline. We're dealing with economic illiterates and ideologues. And so this is how they are. How much time do I have, Mr. Rich? Tiffany Cross on Comedy Central yesterday. Uh, She was just canned by MSNBC. This is something we've encouraged now for a long time. We're hoping Joy Reid is next and ultimately uh, Joe Scarborough. Because he's a complete you-know-what. Here she is on Comedy Central yesterday. Cut 19, go. Tiffany, what do you think? One's got to go. I say Florida literally looks like the of the country, so let's get rid of Florida. Um, Ron, a, are you saying castrate Florida is the country? Seriously, let's castrate Florida. Here's the problem. Ron DeStupid, Ron DeSantis, whatever you want to call Florida man, he is so problematic. The people there passed Amendment 4, which gave returning citizens, those formerly incarcerated, the right to vote. He instituted a poll tax. He has done everything he can to keep black and brown people from the ballot. Mm-hmm. He traffics in stupidity and ignorance, and I just think they are a problem for the rest of the country. Let's yeah, she is sick. And so even MSNBC couldn't stand it anymore. They canned her. But there's Charlemagne the God. Wow. Charlemagne the God. He knows all things. He's a God, don't you know? And he's Charlemagne on top of that. Extremely popular Charlemagne the God. Has on great guests. Has on really thoughtful discussions there. You know, I think Florida looks like a blank, and you know, really, that's cool. That's that's really very hip. I'll be right back.
With the upcoming midterms, keep something in mind. You don't just vote at the ballot box. You vote with your every dollar you spend and the companies you spend them with. Verizon Wireless customers, you're supporting a company that dropped One America News. AT&T customers, your company owns far-left CNN. And T-Mobile, your CEO reportedly advised Democrats on how to beat Trump. Don't give your money to woke wireless companies. Instead, choose Pure Talk, a company that believes in family values. And they also believe in giving you great service at a low cost, like unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Average family saves almost $1,000 a year. I'm a Pure Talk customer, folks. Here's what I like. Same network, same coverage, same phone, lower bill, and 30 days risk-free. Switching can take just 10 minutes. It's a no-brainer. Show corporate America you're done funding their leftist policies. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and make the switch to my company, Pure Talk. Kevin Kiley is running for the House in California's 3rd Congressional District. I understand it's a very, very close election. Kevin Kiley, tell us a little bit about your background in the district, if you would, please. Uh, you bet. Uh, thanks for having me on, uh, Mark. Uh, you know, I've been uh, here fighting against uh, Gavin Newsom and, uh, and before that, Jerry Brown and the uh, the California supermajority for the last uh, several years. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, an uphill battle. <laughs> the levels of insanity uh, seem to reach new heights in California uh, every year. Before that, I was actually a uh, prosecutor. I was also an attorney uh, representing uh, small businesses and defending the Constitution in our courts. And I started my career uh, as a high school teacher teaching 10th uh, grade English in inner city L.A. Uh, but uh, I decided to run for Congress this year because uh, uh, you know, I've seen what has happened to California because of the radical agenda uh, pushed by the likes of Gavin Newsom. And now I see the same thing happening to the country, and it's by design. I mean, Newsom goes around all the time saying California is a model for the nation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are now implementing that model to disastrous effect. Are you able to get your message out there? Are you getting the funding you need? Because I'm sure the media is opposed to you. Well, we have, uh, you know, a very strong movement of grassroots citizen supporters that have powered this campaign uh, from the get-go. You know, we have uh, upwards of 25,000, uh, you know, grassroots citizen donors who have uh, been helpful in getting our message out, uh, not only in terms of raising money, but knocking on doors, uh, using social media, and uh, all the tools at our disposal. But you're absolutely right. The deck has been stacked against us from the beginning when you're, uh, you know, in a state like California where the entire political environment uh, is controlled by, uh, by one party and the radical wing of that party, uh, you face obstacles at every turn. But, uh, you know, we've managed to overcome each and every one of them so far, and I am uh, very hopeful that we're going to have a good night next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And your opponent, tell us about your opponent. Well, my opponent's name is Kermit Jones, uh, and he actually started his campaign uh, saying that his entire goal was to keep uh, the Democrat majority in the House, keep Nancy Pelosi as Speaker, so they could make, uh, in his words, 
even more changes. And so, you know, uh, my opponent looks at what's happened the last two years, and he's saying, we're just getting started, you know. And so uh, if he is elected, uh, and God forbid, if Nancy Pelosi does remain speaker, uh, you can count on him to be a rubber stamp. You can count on him to be pushing uh, the, uh, the Democrats and Joe Biden even further to the left, resulting in even higher inflation, even higher gas and grocery prices, and even more open border, if that's even possible. Uh, even more crime. And, you know, that's exactly what we have already experienced in California. This is, again, the idea uh, that Newsom has said California is a model for the nation. All these problems that the entire country uh, is now having to deal with them, we are pretty used to that in California. You know, we've had we've been a sanctuary state for years. We've had George Soros-backed DAs uh, for years. We've had soaring cost of living for years. We have more people now leaving our state than coming for the first time in uh, California's, you know, 172-year history. And so, uh, I do think that, uh, you know, running for Congress from California uh, as a Republican, uh, you know, sort of places me and others in, uh, like me in a unique position where we have uh, a uh, opportunity and a responsibility to say, no, California is not a model for the nation. It's a warning to the nation about what happens uh, when you have this sort of single party rule uh, that goes as far as it has. What, uh, what are the towns in this district? Well, it covers 10 different counties. It's actually the largest district in California. Uh, it uh, is about the size of the entire state of West Virginia. Uh, it was created through the redistricting process and actually formed uh, out of pieces of five of the pre-existing districts. And so uh, the biggest county by population uh, is Placer County. Uh, the biggest uh, cities by population are Roseville, uh, Folsom, Rockland, and Lincoln. Uh, but it includes some of the sort of most well-known and uh, uh, you know, most uh, amazing parts of California. It includes Lake Tahoe uh, and it includes Death Valley. So I don't think anyone would have ever imagined that those two landmarks would fit within the same congressional district, but that's just how the way the map was drawn. The biggest issue, I guess, inflation and gasoline prices and food prices, those issues, I take it? Uh, yes, absolutely. The economy is, is issue number one uh, for folks in our district uh, who are absolutely uh, struggling uh, under the weight of these record uh, prices caused, uh, you know, by the $4 trillion uh, spending spree that Nancy Pelosi rammed through Congress. Uh, it's making life uh, more and more difficult. Uh, for people in our district and, of course, across the country as well. Uh, but there are a number of other issues that are very high on the list, certainly crime, certainly immigration, and certainly the condition of public education, especially in California, where we had the longest school shutdown of any state. We had the most onerous and overreaching mandates of any state. Uh, I've endorsed over 200 pro-parent, pro-student candidates for school board in California, and I think this is actually uh, one of the most important changes that we're going to see uh, next Tuesday is you're going to have uh, overhauled school boards throughout the state, throughout the country, that are actually going to put parents back in control uh, of their child's education and set uh, education in this state and across the country on a new course. Now, as you point out, you live in California, raised in California. You've uh, held office in California as a prosecutor and so forth. Uh, Newsom says he basically wants to make America like California. What is your warning to the American people and the people in your district? 
Well, my warning is that these radical and corrupt policies that Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, have adopted and, and personify, uh, they are ruining the greatest state in the country. They have turned California from the state where anyone could get ahead to now the state that uh, so many people can't wait to leave behind. Uh, the last two years, this is the only time in California's entire history that you've had a net population uh, decline. More people are leaving than are coming. In all 49 other states, there's been a double-digit decline in the number of people coming to California, and it's truly shocking when you think of all our state has to offer, the weather, the natural beauty, the incredible people uh, and culture, um, but the politics are absolutely ruining it. And so there, these policies are ruining the greatest state in the country, and my warning is we can't let them ruin the greatest country in the world. And that is the choice I think we really have in front of us right now in this election. Are we as a country going to continue down this path of California, which is proven to be a failure, or are we going to return to America's founding principles? And I'm very hopeful uh, that we're going to make the right choice. This district, it has this left-wing Democrat in it now. Is it a district that's mostly Democrat, mostly Republican, marginal, what? So there's actually no one uh, currently in the seat. It's an open seat, and uh, the numbers break down such that uh, Republicans have a small advantage. So uh, President Trump won the district by just under two points in 2020. Mm-hmm. And are you get you have a United Party behind you? Absolutely. We have, uh, you know, I had the endorsement of the, the party uh, during the primary, uh, and, uh, you know, we have uh, great candidates uh, up and down the ballot uh, in this district uh, that are giving people a lot of reasons to come out to vote so that we have solid representation uh, at all levels. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing a level of enthusiasm uh, everywhere I go in all parts of the district like I have never seen before. You know, people are really fired up, uh, you know, and fed up, I should say, but also fired up about the opportunity uh, to really move our country in a new direction if people want to help you people in your district people outside your district where do they go well, they can check out my website. It's electkevinkiley.com. I'm Kevin Kiley. You spell it K-I-L-E-Y. Uh, you can also just uh, search for it, uh, Kevin Kiley for Congress. It'll come up. And, uh, you know, I uh, would really appreciate uh, your help getting across the finish line, and uh, we'll certainly keep you posted on how things turn out. By the way, how do they look right now? Can you tell? Well, I think we're looking good. I'm, uh, you know, uh, optimistic, um, but uh, I do think it's going to be uh, close. And so right now we have uh, round-the-clock uh, get-out-the-vote operations. We are fighting for every single vote. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't want to leave anything to chance. I want to make sure uh, that we uh, that we get the job done and uh, win a seat that's going to be vital uh, towards reclaiming the majority uh, in Congress and, uh, you know, taking the Speaker's gavel uh, away from Nancy Pelosi for good. Well, I wish you all the best, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, there's a couple seats there in California that that are ripe. I mean, difficult, but ripe, and yours is one of them. So we wish you all the best, Kevin Kiley. Take care of yourself. Thank you very much. All right. God bless. Just a matter of voting, America. That's what it takes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With the upcoming midterms, keep something in mind. You don't just vote at the ballot box. You vote with your every dollar you spend and the companies you spend them with. Verizon Wireless customers, you're supporting a company that dropped One American News. AT&T customers, your company owns far-left CNN. 
And T-Mobile, your CEO reportedly advised Democrats on how to beat Trump. Don't give your money to woke wireless companies. Instead, choose Pure Talk, a company that believes in family values. And they also believe in giving you great service at a low cost, like unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Average family saves almost $1,000 a year. I'm a Pure Talk customer, folks. Here's what I like. Same network, same coverage, same phone, lower bill, and 30 days risk-free. Switching can take just 10 minutes. It's a no-brainer. Show corporate America you're done funding their leftist policies. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and make the switch to my company, Pure Talk. Next hour, Lee Zeldin. For Governor of New York and Tim Michaels for Governor of Wisconsin. Two very close, very critical cases. Miguel Amaguer is a reporter on the Today Show. And he reports that Paul Pelosi let the cops in and he didn't declare an emergency and then he went back to the attacker. But the, the report was pulled. It was scrubbed from the NBC website claiming it didn't meet the reporting standards and it never should have aired in the first place. And so, therefore, we will play it. Hat tip, right scoop, go. Craig, good morning. When officers arrived here at the Pelosi home exactly a week ago today, they initially didn't have any idea exactly what was going on. They knew they had a high priority call on their hand. What was unclear, what was happening inside the property just behind me. This morning, Paul Pelosi is home, back at the house that became a crime scene a week ago today. NBC News learning new details about the moments police arrived. Sources familiar with what unfolded in the Pelosi residence now revealing when officers responded to the high-priority call, they were seemingly unaware they'd been called to the home of the Speaker of the House. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. It's unclear if the 82-year-old was already injured or what his mental state was, say sources. According to court documents, when the officer asked what was going on, defendant smiled and said everything's good. But instantaneously, a struggle ensued as police clearly saw David DePap strike Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. After tackling the suspect, officers rushed to Mr. Pelosi, who was lying in a pool of blood. What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him. After spending several days in the ICU, Pelosi, who is recovering from a fractured skull and serious injuries to his arm and hand, is now home where Capitol Police remain on alert. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he was in distress is unclear. Fear takes over. Fear freezes people. This morning, the 82-year-old, lucky to be alive after an intruder nearly killed him in his own home. 
Law enforcement, tell, law enforcement officials tell us the bottom line here is this was a terrifying situation. We still don't know exactly what unfolded between Mr. Pelosi and the suspect for the 30 minutes they were alone inside that house before police arrived. Officials who were investigating this matter would not go into further details about these new details. Now, this is uh, quite bizarre. And when you want to know more information, of course, you're a conspiracy theorist. I have no conspiracy whatsoever. I was the first national host to say, wasn't there an alarm in the house? If there was an alarm, was it on or was it turned off? That fact will tell you a lot. Number two, I've asked repeatedly about these body cameras. Have I not, Mr. Producer? I've posted about it. I've asked about it on radio. Where are the body cameras from the police? And what's the point of having body cameras if prosecutors, politically elected prosecutors, can make decisions when to release them and when they're not? And number three, we've since learned that the Capitol Police have ongoing video surveillance. Why hasn't that been released? There's a lot of hush-hush going on here. It could be totally innocent. But so what? You know, when a policeman is accused of something, they release the video as fast as they can. So why wouldn't they release this video? If there's something wrong, maybe he didn't have any clothes on, then tell us. We can't, it's embarrassing, he didn't have any... Okay, got it. Got it, I understand that. But I don't understand the secrecy, and I don't understand the secrecy about about the alarm system. Now, if the press are going to keep reporting on this day in and day out, more than they did the the assassination threat on Kavanaugh, by far, because they kept that quiet for a long time, then at a minimum, we have a right to ask questions. You keep blaring this stuff on TV, understandable, and so I'm reacting, I'm responding, and so so is my audience. No conspiracies. We just want to know why there's no transparency. At all. Zero. Given all the alarms and the cameras on the cops and the cameras from the Capitol, police and everything, you can't release it? Yeah, I think you can. I'll be right back. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you, too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com. Click on Qualify Me and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time. So check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. This doesn't sound good. Hedge fund giant Elliott warns looming hyperinflation could lead to global societal collapse. By Anviska Patel. Want to hear this? That's too depressing. No, we got to hear it. Investors should not assume they have seen everything. That's executives at leading hedge fund firm Elliott Management Corporation. Warning that the world is heading towards the worst financial crisis since World War II. In a letter sent to investors and reportedly seen by the Financial Times, the Florida headquartered firm told clients it believes the global economy is in an extremely challenging situation that could lead to hyperinflation. This is from MarketWatch, which is a reputable news site. The firm, led by billionaire Paul Singer and Jonathan Pollack, told its clients that investors should not assume they've seen everything because they've been through the peaks and the troughs of the 1987 crash, the dot-com boom and bust, the 2008 global financial crisis, and previous bear and bull markets. That's a big problem. That's a big problem, Mr. Zeldin, that uh, one of the biggest hedge funds in the world is saying we are headed for hyperinflation. What do you think of that? I mean, I I think it's, uh, I mean, these experts uh, or supposed experts are smarter than I am with this stuff, and uh, it's certainly not transitory. I mean, we see it, the, the impacts here locally for us here in New York, you wake up one day and you know, city announced that they're setting up offices inside of Connecticut and Jersey. Wake up one day, J.P. Morgan's going down, you know, to states like Florida and Texas. Goldman Sachs going down to Florida and Texas. Uh, you know, the, the real life implications of blue state policies, uh, Democrats in Washington D.C. spending money like drunken sailors, trying to make us all think that this is all just transitory, and the problem only gets worse. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't think that this is something that's magically disappearing just because they pass a bill and call it the Inflation Reduction Act. It's just not going to turn around automatically. Obviously, it's only going to get worse. No, that's very well said. Um, I guess you were very frightened today. Hochul had in uh, Clinton and uh, Harris. That must have sent shivers down your spine. You think that'll have any effect? Well, we neutralized it because we got the endorsement of the naked cowboy in Times Square who uh, ah. decorated his guitar with his Zeldin for Governor gear and came up with an original song. Yeah, I'll tell you, while, he was ha- uh, while she was having her rally with Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris and Tish James, we had a rally up in the Capital Region with Elise Stefanik and a bunch of other candidates, and we had 10 times go up at our rally. Uh, we once again had another rally into the thousands. There's no doubt that we have the energy and momentum over this weekend that's coming up. Uh, Kathy Hochul's bringing in Bill Clinton for one rally, bringing in Joe Biden for another rally. And I'm just sure that if she adds up the sum total of all attendees at all these rallies, 
she still wouldn't be able to put it inside of, for example, that DeSantis rally we had last Saturday. So we have the energy. We have the issues. We just have to make sure that everyone shows up and votes. No one can stay home. Did you pay to have Biden come to New York? Yes, yeah, seriously. Can you? I mean, can you imagine that you get to this stage of the campaign? You're getting desperate. You have to inject enthusiasm into your base. Uh, your messaging hasn't worked by just obsessing over abortion and Trump. So now you have to find a new angle, and you're tapping into Joe Biden. Say, hey, please come enthuse my my base. When Joe Biden was running for president, there were like 13 circles in the crowd with everyone standing. You know. Not, not six feet apart. It was like they were 13 feet apart. This guy is coming in to, to be your closer, to fire up a crowd. And Bill Clinton vintage 2022 is not Bill Clinton vintage 1992. Yeah. So I, times have changed, and there just isn't that young blood that she's just going to be able to bring in and all of a sudden, suddenly, with three days to go, uh, get folks excited about her candidacy. I mean, it's just she's been flatlining here for a while. Now, this race, everybody knows, is very, very tight. Your internal polls, I assume, show it's very, very tight as well? Absolutely. The Trafalgar poll that came out had us uh, about 0.8% up. Uh, We're also tracking this race basically at a dead heat, although campaigning like we're behind. And we're not going to have another poll that's going to come out before the one that matters most on Tuesday. Uh, But what we believe is that once we got post-debate last week, a few days, you you have uh, some of the initial coverage the next day, and then people are talking about it. It was towards the end of last week into last weekend was that moment where we think that we actually started to pass her. And it just feels like every day we're just inching a little bit further ahead. But, you know, that's all based on assumptions. Whenever someone tells you a poll, yeah, they, there's a national poll. It's based off of a thousand people in this country of over 300 million, and they want to tell you exactly what a head-to-head or or a job approval is. It's all built on assumptions. It's science. Maybe in some cases we should look at it as entertainment. By the way, in other cases, just look at it as an inaccurate, bogus joke. Uh, what we really need for voters to understand is that. Uh, this race is definitely won as long as everybody actually shows up. Uh, we can't let anyone just, you know, at the end of a long day on Tuesday, while well, they meant to vote when they got up for work that day, but eh, it's just one vote. It doesn't really count. No, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family, your community, strangers, too. Everyone's expecting you to make sure that you get it done and tell everyone you know, family, friends, neighbors, strangers, social media, texts, emails word of mouth we need to get everyone in our lives to show up too so this is a get out the vote operation but with a lot of momentum do do you have early voting over this weekend we do early voting ends on sunday it started last weekend uh some of the initial numbers that have come out around the state are looking good uh there's some areas that are reliably strong Democrat bases where they're just not getting anything off of the ground. They drastically are underperforming. There are some counties where we're actually seeing more Republicans coming out for early voting than Democrats, even though Republicans tend in New York to uh, prefer to vote on Election Day itself. And I'm talking about a couple of counties where there are more Democrats than Republicans in that county. 
we are going to be lights out. Uh, Suffolk and Nassau County, we're going to crush it. Uh, we're going to do great north of the city, around the rest of the state. Some of the counties are more purplish, but there are others that are red. Some of them are dark red. The key is that inside of New York City, we can't get less than 30%. If we get less than 30%, we cannot win. But if we could get 35% or more inside of the city, it starts to become really difficult to lose. If we're getting 36 37% of the vote inside of the city, it, it's done. We're going to win this thing. We can win this thing with 30, but we, we can win this race just in New York City by hitting, you know, passing the 35 and getting up to 36, 37. So we're spending a lot of time with Democrats, disenfranchised Democrats. They feel like their party has left them. Democrats who consider themselves to be conservative. Democrats who are concerned about crime. They don't want to be lectured to by Cassie Hochul about how this is a conspiracy and that they're data deniers. And it, you know, they don't, she doesn't understand why this is so important to them. No, they want action. They want leadership. Fire district attorneys if they won't do the job. Roll back cashless bail and these other pro-criminal laws. Support our men and women in law enforcement. Democrats want to feel safe on the streets, just like Republicans do. But we've actually put together a nice coalition here with independents and Democrats as well. Yeah, I noticed you have some Democrats in New York City. Uh, Hispanic businessmen, uh, certain members even of the uh, radical left council there who have uh, stepped out and uh, have endorsed you, right? That's right, Bob Holden. He's a Democrat councilman in Queens. Uh, Today we had an event in the Bronx with a a former state senator, former New York City councilman who's a Democrat, uh, somebody else who's a former state assemblyman, former city councilman who's a Democrat. Uh, We've had uh, Dole Hyken, uh, he runs Americans Against Anti-Semitism. He is a Democrat, former state assemblyman. A bunch of these uh, current and former Democratic elected officials, lifelong Democrats, they haven't changed their party. But this year, they're supporting us because they want to save the city and they want to save the state. And they know that Kathy Hochul just is not getting the job done. They want it, They want balance. And they want to stand up to the radical elements of their party. There's one AOC down in Washington, D.C., there are dozens of AOCs up in Albany, self-described socialists who feel like they're not taxing enough, they're not spending enough, they ban the safe extraction of natural gas, and they feel like they haven't passed enough pro-criminal laws. A lot of Democrats aren't happy with that. Because mm-hmm. the people have to live in these communities. Well, Lee Zeldin, we want to wish you all the best. ZeldinforNewYork.com. Uh, folks, if you can vote tomorrow in New York, please vote tomorrow. If not... Please vote on Election Day and bring people with you. That's what it's going to take. The biggest voter turnout ever in order to, uh, to overcome the obstacles here. And you have a tremendous candidate for governor who will change that whole state. Your good friend, Lee, we wish you all the best, brother. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Take care. God bless. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tim Michaels is running for governor of Wisconsin. Uh, we've never spoken to him before. How are you, sir? Mark, doing great. Having a great day on the trail once again. Uh, but it's looking good. We're excited for Tuesday. Well, you're running against a really radical governor uh, who, in my view, has done a grave amount of damage to uh, to your state and has blunted so many opportunities for the people of your state. 
And there are things that a governor can do, right? I mean, when it comes to crime, actually step in and try and help. What are the big issues there, and what would you do versus your opponent? Yeah, well, the big issues that we hear everywhere we go across the state, number one's inflation, which admittedly is a little tough for a governor to do, but we're going to... We're going to do massive tax reform here in the state of Wisconsin, and we know we can do that because there's a $5.8 billion surplus sitting at our state capitol in Madison right now. Governor Evers, he's running around saying what a great thing it is that he's done. As a frugal, conservative businessman, I think it's a bad thing. The people of Wisconsin have been overtaxed, so number one, we're going to put more money in people's pockets. The second issue I'm hearing everywhere is crime. Crime is way up in Wisconsin, like it is all across America. I think it's a byproduct of the defund the police movement. We got to this crazy spot in America, this crazy spot in Wisconsin, where less cops is better and cops are bad. I don't buy it for a second. I'm going to stand with law enforcement, and we're going to get rid of the weak DAs that are letting bad guys out way too soon. And we will get crime down. We'll have safer communities and safer neighborhoods in Wisconsin. And third, I'm hearing from parents. They're really frustrated with the education here in Wisconsin. And the test scores, they, they, they prove it. The state test, uh, the state education test here in Wisconsin, it's called the forward test. The numbers continue to go down. And the national test, it's called the NAEP test. The numbers continue to go down. And our governor, he's been a leader in education for his entire career. And if he can't make education go well in Wisconsin, and he's not, I maintain he can't do anything well. So those are the three big issues here, Mark. It's uh, getting crime down, it's uh, education reform, and it's inflation, and we're going to do massive tax cuts. Now, um, give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I'd be happy to introduce myself to your audience, and thanks for having me on. So I was born and raised in a little farm town of a few hundred people, about an hour north of Milwaukee. Went to uh, college in Green Bay. I got into ROTC. Uh, when I graduated, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the infantry. Spent 12 years on active duty in the U.S. Army. And I went to airborne school, paratrooper school, ranger school, air assault school, jungle warfare school. Got out at the rank of major. But the, the greatest honor I had in my 12 years of service in the Army was I was hand-selected to be the commander of the honor guard of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Wow. So got got out of the army and uh, I rejoined the family business. My father had started a relatively small construction business, and unfortunately, a year later, my dad passed away. But my brothers and I, we stood shoulder to shoulder for the past twenty-five years, and we grew that business from a few hundred to over eight thousand today. We we mainly do energy infrastructure. Eighty-five percent of what we do is energy infrastructure. And the story that your your audience might find interesting is we were actually building the Keystone Pipeline. And on Inauguration Day, Joe Biden, he signs the executive order, canceling it. That night he's dancing at his inaugural ball, and we had to lay off 700 hardworking men and women. And what do we have to show for it today? You know, 4 or $5 gas, 6 $7 diesel. I, I don't know what they were thinking. But I bring a great background of, of you know, being a veteran, a, a businessman, an outsider. That's what the people of Wisconsin want. That's what we're ready for. We're going to take this state to new heights. And what does it look like there? It's looking good. I mean, you take all the polls over the last, I'll say from 10 days ago until five weeks ago, there was probably 15 or 18 polls. Uh, as I say on the stump, you put them all in a dice cup and you roll them out on the bar. It was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. But 47.3 to 47.3, just a statistical dead heat tie. But in the last 10 days, we're starting to see some separation. We're, we're starting to pull away a little bit. I think we're going to win in a Wisconsin landslide. Now, we all know Wisconsin is a swing state, and it's probably the purplest mm -hmm. of purple states. 
Uh, you know, Trump lost by 20,000 votes two years ago. Uh, the go- Governor Evers, who I'm going to beat, he won by 20,000 votes four years ago. So if we win by two, three points, that's a Wisconsin landslide. But even more importantly than the polls, Mark, everywhere we go, the enthusiasm factor is just off the charts. We're going to little stops where usually, you know, you'd probably get about 50 people. We have 200, 300 people showing up, and and they are energized. I think it's out of frustration, but they're fired up. They're ready for change. They're ready for a bold leader who's going to get things done and lead this state in a new direction. And you have a good ground game out there? We have a great ground game. Uh, We put together a platinum staff. We've done over 150,000 doors in the last few days. We've done over 150,000 phone calls. Lots of, you know, of course the yard signs are out, and we're working it hard. I'm about to do my eighth stop of the day. And, uh, yeah, we're leaving no stone unturned. Uh, My opponent, you know, I think people have described his administration as weak and old. And, uh, you know, we're, we're energetic. We're a get-things-done kind of campaign. I'm a get-things-done kind of guy, as I said, as a businessman. I know how to make plans, execute those plans, solve problems. I've made payroll. Our company's never missed payroll in 62 years. And our governor, he's never even run a lemonade stand. So it, it's quite the contrast. And I'll tell you what else is going our way, Mark, that I think you'll find interesting. Everywhere I go, I have the trades guys coming up to me you know, steam fitters and teamsters, operating engineers, and they say, you know, Tim, I'm voting for you. And 90% of the guys at work are voting for you. The Democrat, or the the union, has always said we have to vote for the Democrats my whole life. But the Democratic Party has left me, and it's left my family. Now it's all about the acronyms. It's all about LGBTQ and CRT and BLM. I just want somebody that's going to stand by me and my family. I want to go to work. I want to raise my family. Maybe I go to church on Sunday. I want to go to my kids' ball game. The Democratic Party doesn't care about me or my family anymore. And you, Tim, I see someone who's worn boots his whole life, 12 years in Army boots, 25 years in steel-toe boots, leading the men and women at Michael's Corporation. And that's why I believe that we're going to turn this state solidly red. You sound terrific. And I... I wish you all the luck in the world, Tim Michaels. If people want to help, it's michaelsforgovernor.com, michaelsforgovernor.com. And good luck and God bless, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. God bless. God bless. Boy, he sounds great, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? Come on, Wisconsin. you got a chance to put another man, great man, in there as governor. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Isn't it amazing, this Paul Pelosi thing? The Democrats conduct investigations in the House at the drop of a, of a feather. The Capitol Police have a monitoring system that they're supposed to be watching that is set up in the Pelosi household. I'm sure at great expense monitoring what's going on in the San Francisco Tony neighborhood from an office in the Capitol building over 2,000 miles away. Well, what happened? What happened? It's like turning down the National Guard on January 6th. This is under the purview of the Congress. What happened? And did they go back and look at the tapes? And what did they see? Now, they want everything from everybody. Their lawyers, their family members. They want their taxes. All kinds of things they have no business in gathering, but they'll do it and threaten you with prison if you don't hand over what they demand. There's no special committee looking into the Capitol Police situation on January 6th at all, because that would obviously involve Nancy Pelosi's culpability, Stempy Hoyer's culpability, even Mitch McConnell's culpability. But here, the Democrat-controlled House isn't even curious about why the Capitol Police were asleep at the wheel, so to speak, or what's on the video. Now, I'm not saying anything's untoward on these videos. I'm saying I don't understand why they're hiding the ball. Why did NBC pull this news report? From its website. It already aired on the Today Show, but they want to now act like it didn't occur. We have every reason to distrust the media. We've had years and years of media corruption. Look at the Hunter Biden laptop. They not only covered it up, they went to great lengths to attack anybody as a conspiracy theorist who would raise any questions about it. You must be working with the Russians. And the media, of course, worked with the Stasi at the Department of Justice to try and take Trump out on multiple occasions. And then hired Stasi members for their TV shows, for their analysts, and so forth. But it is strange that the Democrats don't have any interest in these body cameras. And the left has no interest in the body cameras. That's the same left wing that insisted that police have body cameras. So why insist on it when we can't see the results of cops wearing body cameras? Unless, of course, 
they're trying to trash the cops. That's a whole other story, right? Systemic racism, you know. And the Democrats would know about systemic racism since it runs through their blood and has for 150 years. Just very weird. And the Democrat DA in the Democrat city of San Francisco seems awfully defensive. She won't give out much information either. This is from our friends at the Free Beacon, our buddy Adam Credo. The Biden administration will not say when Biden plans on calling newly elected Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to congratulate him on his victory. Drawing accusations, the U.S. administration is trying to isolate the conservative Jewish leader before he even takes office. But they believe in democracy, don't you know? They just don't like who the Israelis voted for, that's all. Asked on Thursday afternoon if President Biden has any plans to phone Netanyahu following his victory this week in the Israeli elections. A White House spokes idiot told the Washington Free Beacon, we don't have any call to preview at this point. The Israeli media reported on Thursday that Biden is expected to call Netanyahu sometime over the weekend, citing the president's packed schedule. How hard is it to call from Air Force One, Mr. Medusa? But the White House would not confirm these reports when asked by the Free Beacon. Biden called Brazil's newly elected far-left president. He's a Marxist, this guy in, in Brazil. Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Sounds like a UFC fighter. He called him on Monday, just a day after that country's elections. This discrepancy is fueling accusations the Biden administration is taking a chilly approach to its diplomacy with Netanyahu, made history by being elected as Israel's prime minister for the third time. Well, it's what I've said for years. Obama was and is an anti-Semite. His treatment of Netanyahu and the state of Israel was appalling. Donald Trump's treatment of Netanyahu and the state of Israel was fabulous. Ted Cruz, a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, told the Free Beacon, what's it have to do with Biden everything? Biden is surrounded by the same reprobates. And Biden has always been hostile to Israel, even though he pretends the opposite. He views the, you know, the Israelis like, they must be Republicans. Semi-fascists. I'm waiting one of these times for Biden to speak and his dentures fall right on the table, Mr. Producer. Ted Cruz, a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, told the Free Beacon the president's delay in calling Netanyahu is not an accident. Of course, he's right. It's not the first time Biden has been accused of dissing Netanyahu. It took Biden nearly a month, nearly a month to call Netanyahu upon taking office in 2021. Fueling speculation, Biden was trying to create some distance with Israel after four years of warm relations under President Trump. When outgoing Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett was elected, it took Biden two hours to call and congratulate him. Biden, Biden is a punk. That's what he is. He's a street punk. I've told you this before. He's a political street punk. His language, his attitude, his sanctimony, his narcissism. He's a punk, like so many leading Democrats. And it is amazing to me how these left-wing Democrat Jewish groups are absolutely silent. Meanwhile, there's a secularist like Thomas Friedman who writes this 
poison pen piece trashing Netanyahu. So now Netanyahu is to be hated. Don't you despise these people on the left? Don't you? They work with each other. They go to the cafes together. They get the lattes together. I, I, I would like the, the raspberry, the, the raspberry uh, uh, muffin, please. Yes, yes. Uh, please, no. Uh, uh, no it's got to be gluten-free. Gluten-free. And uh, I would like uh, raw sugar, please. None of the, none of the processed sugar. I need the highly pasteurized uh, half and half, if you will. Uh, 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 excuse me, forget it. I'm lactose intolerant. I don't think I shall. Do you have any scones, by the way? Scones here. We love scones. Really appreciate the. What a bunch of pukes. And I'm serious about this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So you have Biden emphatically telling you that a rapidly collapsing economy is strong as hell. Really? Here's a piece from USA Today. Longmont, Colorado, the temperature is dipping toward freezing Tuesday night, and Tony Stark is getting worried about her rickly basement furnace holding out for another winter. Her plumber told her probably make it through. But at 99 years old, Stark isn't taking anything for granted. Whether that's being able to keep the furnace running or remaining in her home as the electric and heating bills begin to mount with the cold. She said, I keep thinking about what to do if I have to replace it. I'm comfortable in this house. I wouldn't want to leave it. For several years, she's been receiving a small payment from the federal government to help her cover her utility bills. The money isn't much, but the annual assistance under the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program gives her a little breathing room as she juggles paying unexpected dental expenses and higher food costs with her Social Security and small savings. But she's having a problem now. Combination of factors from supply constraints. They say caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. You know, the media sucks so badly. Has experts from the United States and Europe worried that the poorest Americans will struggle even more than usual to keep warm, safe, healthy in the coming months. An estimated one in six American households are already behind on their utility bills after a scorching summer forced them to run air conditioning more than usual. 
households that primarily use natural gas for heating are expected to spend an average of $931 on warming their homes between October and March, a 28% jump year to year. And they're expected to see the cost of annual utility services rising to $3,800, reflecting higher prices for natural gas, heating oil, propane. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Biden and the Democrats have a war on the elderly, a war on, on lower-income individuals, a war on every damn family in this country. That's exactly what's going on. And now he says he's going to stop Coal. He's going to shut down coal businesses. Well, he talks about democracy. Who sounds like the fascist? All right. Too late to take a call, I guess. Synagogues in New Jersey are under threat as FBI urges people to stay alert. Hmm. Does Joe Biden talk about this? I'm just curious. I know most of you are Gentile out there, but have you ever heard Joe Biden talk about the attack on Jews? from his own party as a matter of fact in Congress while he's stiff arming the Israeli government no have you ever talked heard him talk about the attacks on Republicans that have just taken place no well ladies and gentlemen we talk about it all but right now I want to play for you America and honoring each and every one of you. Here we go.
please watch the show Sunday. I know you're going to love it. It's very important. The Sunday before the Tuesday election, it's going to be the most important show we do, given the nature of this election. We'll have Dr. Oz, Blake Masters, Ted Budd, Lee Zeldin, and, of course, me. 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. If you can't watch it live, please DVR it. Very, very important program. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and our trucker friends. Good night, Spritey and Griffey and Pepsi. Good night, Smokey and Zelda and Gigi. Good night, Indy and Patton and Barney, our little Barney. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. And good night, Joe. And America, do whatever you can, small or large, this weekend to make a difference. This is the battle, the weekend before the election. We'll be right back on Monday.